0: We're launching into a brand new series uh, today that's going to take us about three or four weeks and uh, as the Lord develops it, and uh, I want to talk to you today about the power of words. The series is called "Life or Death." And uh, that might sound kind of dark or contrasting. You know, I tried to find uh, a snazzy title. I found some where uh, the series was called uh, "Sticks and Stones. You remember that saying, don't you? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what well, finish it with me. But words will never hurt me. Well, I didn't want to have to get up and explain. Well, that saying is not true because words can hurt you, your own words and other people's words. So anyway, so I just went ahead and went with this based on what the, what the scripture says. But we're going to base this series on Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 and 21 So if you have your notes there, the scripture's there, and I'm looking at it in the easy-to-read version translation of the Bible, just because I like the way that it was worded. And it says this, Solomon wrote, and he said, your words can be as satisfying as fruit, as pleasing as the food that fills your stomach. Now I want you to think about that phrase for just a moment. You know, I like good food. Anybody in here that likes good food? Okay, I like food that tastes good. I like food that fills me up. I like food that has flavor to it. You know, I I, I'm, um, I used to not like a lot of spicy stuff, but I've gotten to where I kind of like a little hot sauce on my food every now and then. Anybody in here like hot sauce on your food? Okay, all right, but... Notice what he says, your words can be as satisfying as fruit, as pleasing as the food that fills your stomach. Verse 21, the tongue can speak words that bring, say it with me, life or death. Then the rest of the verse says, those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. I like that. So if you like to talk, which there's nothing wrong with talking, but be ready to for what talking produces in your life. So again, your words can produce things that are satisfying to you. Your words can produce uh, fulfillment in your life. Words can satisfy you like a good meal would satisfy you. Uh, but But words can also produce the opposite effect. And that's what Solomon is trying to get us to see. So if you're taking notes, write this down. And that is this, the tongue can speak words of life or death, and the choice is yours. You choose what comes out of your mouth. Now, I know sometimes we have a tendency to um, uh, speak and then think, (laughs) you know, speak first and then think about what we're going to say, and so... Uh, You know, a lot of times part, well, let me just say it to you this way. A lot of our growth in in walking with the Lord is learning how to think before we speak, how to weigh our words before they come out of your mouth. Because it's a whole lot easier to take something back that you've never said before. Anybody else discovered that? Okay. So the tongue can speak words of life or death, the choice is, is ours, So it's up to us to determine what comes out of our mouth. Some people think or are of the impression that, that it's just kind of automatic. You know, I'm just, you know, going to say whatever I think. No, you don't have to operate that way. The choice is yours. You can determine what comes out of your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21 in the Message Bible says this, words kill or words give life. They're either poison or or fruit, you choose. So uh, write this down, please. Your tongue, and I'm not trying to focus on the negative side, but I need to establish this, and your tongue can inject poison into your life and the lives of other people. Your tongue could do that. Your tongue is like a hypodermic needle that can inject poison not only into your own life, but into the lives of other people. And we're going to talk about later on in this, this series about the, the impact of our words on other people. Uh, but right now we're talking about how it impacts your life. So I want to go to James chapter 3, and uh, we're going to look at uh, verses 2 through 12 in James chapter 3. Now let me give you a little bit of background about the apostle James the Apostle James that wrote this particular book was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem before the great persecution struck and the, and the people were scattered. But James is also the half-brother of Jesus. So he grew up in the household with Jesus Christ and, and there were other siblings that we know of. If you'll recall, uh, you remember there was, uh, his family came. He was, Jesus was in a house preaching and his family came and they, they passed word to him, your brothers and your sisters and your mother are out here. You know, the interesting thing is we don't know whatever happened to Joseph, but we do know that he had siblings and James was one of his siblings. So my point is this, James grew up with Jesus, what better model to have before you on someone that was disciplined with his words? You know, Jesus did not just wake up one day when he was 30 years old and become Jesus. He was Jesus his whole life. Now, the scripture does say he had to grow and mature and he grew in wisdom and favor and stature with the Lord, but... The thing that I want you to see is is that James had the model of a person that could control his tongue in his household. So I said all that to say, when we read these verses from James' letter, you'll see why he is so particular with this. So let's look at verse 2 in chapter 3. We all fail in many areas. This is the Passion Translation. But especially with our words. Yet, if we're able to bridle the words we say, we're powerful enough to control ourselves in every way, and that means our character is mature and fully developed. Now, notice this illustration he gives. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. Now, I want to stop right there and... uh, I know a little bit about horse riding. I don't know if you've been around horses at all, uh, but when you are, are training a horse or if you're wanting to ride a horse on a long-term basis, then you have to break that horse and because that horse is not going to be accustomed to somebody on its back all the time. And so you have to train the horse. And the way that you train that horse is you use a couple of pieces of hardware, and one of them is called a bit, and the other is called the bridle. Now, if you're familiar with horses at all, a bit is a piece of metal that goes into a horse's mouth that applies pressure to that horse's tongue. Now, if you want to turn that horse while you're riding it, you gather the reins in your hand, usually le- leather straps, and you gather those in your hand, and which direction you pull on the side of the mouth of that horse is the direction that the horse is going to go in. So here's another way of saying it. If, if you want to control the direction of that horse, you have to put pressure on that horse's mouth and in particular on its tongue in the direction that you want it to go in, okay? So what James is telling us is that if we want to change the direction that our life is going, do like you do a horse and put pressure on your mouth in that direction. Are you following me? All right, so let's go on. He says, and the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds. Now, back in that day, they had sail-driven ships, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. So I want you to think about a big ocean liner, or let's say, let's use another uh, ship, uh, a military ship, uh, like an aircraft carrier, huge ship, has thousands of people on it. It's a thousand feet long and uh, you know, uh, just just a gigantic ship that's in the water. But if you look at that ship in contrast to the rudder that's at the back end of that ship, the rudder is very small compared to the overall ship. But if you want to change the direction of that ship, you have to change the direction of that rudder. And even though it's very small, it affects the direction of that ship. So what James is telling us is this little thing right here, although it may be small in comparison to not only our physical bodies, but our overall lives, if you want to change the direction of your life, change the direction of your rudder, okay? Are you following me? Okay. So he says, uh, then the next verse, and so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness. Now, this is in the negative sense. And it is the most dangerous part of our human body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. For every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, and creatures of the sea and land, have all been overpowered and tamed by humans, but the tongue is not able to be tamed. Now, I want to parenthetically add something here in context. He said this, that just like those animals can be tamed by humans, the tongue cannot be tamed by humans. But the tongue can be tamed. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. And again, this is all in the negative sense. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go to pick figs from a grapevine? No, you can't. You can't pick olives from from a fig tree. Fig trees don't produce olives. Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. Now, I want to... Begin to establish some things, and so I want you to get these seven things that we're, we're going to talk about now, okay? So write this down, please, and that is this, your tongue affects your life in every way. Your tongue affects your life in every way. Remember we read in the first part of James 3, 2, He says, we all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. If we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves or to affect ourselves in every way. So your words affect your life in every area and in every way. We may not realize it. And here's something you need to understand is that... um, Our Christian lives, sometimes we don't see immediate results from things we do. Sometimes it takes time, okay? And the same thing is true with words. You might speak certain words and not see instantaneous results, and therefore you think that those words aren't producing for you, but they are producing for you. It takes time for that to show up, okay? Now, Here's the next thing I want you to get, and we kind of already established this based on what James has said, and that is this Your tongue determines the direction of your life. Your tongue determines the direction of your life. Now, again, let me read to you verses three and four, which we already read, but I want to remind you what it says. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. Okay, so your tongue determines the direction of your life. All right, so I'm gonna say something to you and it's the truth. But it, and it might be hard, but just take it anyway, that is this, if you don't like the direction your life is going in, change what your tongue is saying. Okay, all right? Now here, here write this down, please. You could change the direction of your life by changing your words. You could change the direction of your life by changing words your words. So if you want your life to be different, then you're going to have to start with what you are saying. Now, I know people will tell you, you know, there's all kinds of external things that you need to change. You know, you need to get more education and you need to do this and you need to do that. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but don't start with those things. Start with what's coming out of your mouth. The words that you are declaring over your own life. Okay, so you can change the direction of your life by changing your words. Now, I want to say this to you, and I want this to be hopeful, hope-building to you, and that is this. Write this down. The tongue can be tamed. You can grow and mature in the Word of God and with the help of the Spirit of God and tame, get control over your words. I'm a a great example of that. And just to share a little bit of testimony uh, of my own life, when I got saved, I was uh, 14 years old when I fully committed my life to the Lord. But even at that early age as a teenager, I had built a defense mechanism into my life by my words. In other words, what I had built up was to protect myself and to keep you from being able to hurt me. I was going to cut you with my words before you had a chance to cut me. Okay. Anybody? I I see some people that are nodding. So either you're like poor pastor or you're thinking that was me too. Okay. Now you throw into the mix of that uh, before Christ, I could cuss better than anybody. So you mix the two of those, and that's a dangerous combination, will get you into a lot of trouble. Let me say something to you. A big mouth will get you into situations that you, you will have a hard time getting out of. All right? I'll just say that from experience. Now, when I gave my heart to Christ, I knew that there were some things that had to change. Number one was my vocabulary. I knew that it was wrong for me to have a filthy mouth. So the first thing that had to change was I needed to eliminate that from my vocabulary, from a habit. I had built up that habit. And so with the Lord's help, I did that. Now, I will say this to you. It was not instantaneous. Okay, I'll be honest. There were times when I cussed after I got saved. And I know none of y'all ever did anything like that, but I'm just being honest, okay? Now, here's how I broke it. If that would happen, I would immediately repent and ask God to forgive me. Now, you do that enough, and it'll it'll stop, okay? Now, Now, and I'm not going to pretend to stand up here and tell you that some 40 years later, that there are not situations that happen and those words get about right here. Okay? All right? But I've grown and matured enough to where I don't let them come out anymore. And so then the next phase that I had to begin to work on was not using my words as a weapon. Learning how to control what I said. And I remember... I never will forget this. I was in Bible school. Now, granted, I went to Bible school right out of high school, moved to Tulsa, went to Rhema Bible Training Center at at 17, then 18 years old. And um, I remember there was an older gentleman that I worked with who was another Rhema student. And uh, there were four or five of us students that worked together at the same place. And I remember, uh, you know, and I was still working on this. And uh, I remember he and I were working together and... I said something very sarcastic to him. I don't even remember what it says. All I remember was his response. And I would say he was, John was probably in his mid-sixties. So he was an older gentleman, you know, here I am 18 years old. And he turned to me and he said to me, You know, you're a smart mouth little cuss. And I remember that devastated me because I knew that I needed to change. And, and I respected him. I didn't have any problem with him saying that to me, but I was devastated because I knew that what he was saying was the truth and it was something that I was gonna have to deal with. And so what I did is went to work with the word of God and began to uh, go to work on that part of my life to where, again, I didn't use my words as a weapon. Now, I, again, I'm not gonna pretend to stand up here and say I have fully arrived and fully perfected at that, but I've gotten a whole lot better, all right? So I wanted to just tell you that, so I am not standing up here and telling you the things that I'm telling you as, as somebody who has not experienced what I'm asking you to do, okay? I'm just a few steps ahead of you, that's all, all right? So you can tame your tongue. Through the Word of God and with the help of the Holy Ghost, you can learn how to control your vocabulary. You can learn how to control your vocabulary to the point where if you mash your finger with a hammer, <laughs> golly darn is not what comes out of your mouth, okay? You can say, praise the Lord. This sounds... You know, counterintuitive, but you can say, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Father, my thumb is healed or whatever it might be, all right? I'm just saying, okay? Now, again, look at what James 3, 7 and 8 says, for every wild animal on earth, including birds, creeping reptiles, creatures of the sea and land have all been overpowered and tamed by humans. Think about that. You know, we often think about dogs and cats have been tamed, but you know, you can go to SeaWorld and see Shamu, A killer whale that's been tamed to respond. You know, all kinds of animals. The circus back in the day when Ringling Brothers used to tour around with all the elephants and stuff like that, they were all tamed. And human beings did that. But we have have been of the mindset that, you know, you can do that for animals and and a two-three 3,000 pound elephant, but you can't do it with this little thing right here. And that's not the truth. But the tongue is not able to be tamed with your human strength and ability. Let me just let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. You're not left to use your own strength and ability. God has given you supernatural ability by the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be able to tame your tongue, all right? Now, here's a huge, huge key. Write this down, please. Your words are shaped by what you deposit in your heart. Okay, now I feel like I need to maybe clarify something. The human heart as referred to in the scriptures is sometimes referring to the human spirit and sometimes it's not because here's, What I mean by that, you know, if if you've been around our church at all, you know, we teach a lot on the three parts of man, spirit, soul, and body. And so the part of you that was born again when you gave your heart to Christ was what? Your spirit man, okay? That's the part of you that was made brand new. But you know what? I, I was reading this recently. The apostle Peter wrote to some Christian people and said this, love one another out of a pure heart. What? No, see, what we've always thought is that the heart of man and the spirit of man were the same, and sometimes in Scripture they are. You have to read and differentiate. But what I'm wanting you to see is there's an aspect of the human heart that is not pure all the time. In other words, it can be corrupted. Why would, why would the apostle tell us love one another out of a pure heart if it's not possible for you to love people out of a wrong heart, a wrong motivation, okay? So here's what I want you to see is that your heart can be affected by what you deposit in it. Now, see, I was a born again believer, but I had some bad things in my heart that caused bad words to come out of my mouth, Okay? So, what did I have to do? I had to address what was deposited into my heart so that what came out of my mouth was correct. Let me show you. All right, let's look at what Jesus said. Would you believe Jesus if he said some things? Okay. Hello? All right, just check him. All right, let's read what. What Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, the 12th chapter, verses 34 through 37, reading to you from the Amplified Bible, Jesus said this. He was talking to the religious leaders, but the principle that he's given us is exactly true. You offspring of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil and wicked? You can't. Okay, let me say this to you. Um, People that are not born again are automatically going to slant towards wrong speech because they don't have any other means to be able to draw from for right. In other words, don't go around expecting sinners to act and talk like believers. It's not going to happen. They don't have it in them. All right? So, but look at what he says. For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. So here's what Jesus is saying. Whatever is coming out of your mouth is a reflection of what is in your heart. Now this is true even after you're born again. Because I will tell you, there was no question in my mind that I was born again. There was no question that if my heart had stopped beating, I would have gone to spend in eternity with Jesus in heaven. So I was born again. My spirit was brand new, but I still had some bad vocabulary, some bad words that were coming up out of my heart. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So why were those bad words still coming up out of my heart? Because at some point in my life, I had deposited those things in my heart. And so as a result, what was in my heart in abundance is what was coming out of my mouth according to what Jesus was saying. All right, look, the good man from his inner good treasure flings forth good things. And the evil man out of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. Now, let me tell you, the reason that my vocabulary was like it was when I, before I got saved, is because I hung around with people who cussed as much as I did. I watched TV and movies and things that, did the, that had the same vocabulary and deposited that stuff down inside my heart. Even though, now again, I was born again, but my heart was still filled with that stuff. Uh, Are you tracking with me? Okay, all right. So, uh, let me finish what Jesus said. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give account of every idle, inoperative, non working word they speak. Okay? Words are important. Words are hugely important. So, let me read verse 37. For by your words, you will be justified and acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. Now, he's talking about on an eternal level, your words are what determine your eternal destiny, ultimately. Okay? So that's what Jesus is bringing us down to. But I want to go back to what he said when he said this. For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I can tell... I'm just being very transparent. I can tell when I have been involving myself and exposing myself to too much secular stuff because that stuff gets down into my heart and sooner or later it comes back up and has opportunity to come out of my mouth. And you know what's funny is something will pop into my head, and, and, and I, I, I feel like saying it when that person pulls out in front of me in traffic or drives like an idiot or whatever the case is. And, and, and you know what? Here's my thought. Where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. I deposited it in my heart at some point. Hallelujah. Okay? So what that means is, if you want to change what's coming out of your mouth, change what you're depositing in your heart. Okay? You're already born again if you know Christ, but your heart needs to be filled with the right thing. All right? Are you still here? Are you listening to me, okay? So let's talk a little bit about this process. How do we begin? And we're going to dive into this over this series and uh, really get into the nitty-gritty of these things, and I want to begin introducing that to you today. So I want to go to a little verse in a little book in the New Testament by the name of Philemon, or somebody might say Philemon, however you want to pronounce it. Okay, little tiny letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to someone And it's sandwiched in there where the pages still kind of stick together in your Bible because we don't look at the book of Philemon very much. Okay, I don't hear too many people preaching out of Philemon, all right? But there is a verse in the book of Philemon that is extremely powerful. And I want to look at it because according to the original language, the King James, believe it or not, is a very accurate translation. So let's go to it. Uh, Philemon one, six. There's only one chapter in the book so let's look at the 6th verse in the book and it says this that in this again this is the King James and I'll unravel all this for you that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus okay now what I had to do when I wanted to change my words, and I wanted to use my words in a different way, is I had to address this right here first, and that was, every good thing which is in me, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus? Well, think about this. Is anybody in here been saved? Anybody in here, Jesus bought and paid for your healing? Anybody in this room, Jesus has redeemed you. Anybody in this room that Jesus is your protector, he's your advocate, he is your defender. Is there anybody in this room that, that, and you might be still walking this out, but the Bible says you have the mind of Christ, okay? Is there anybody in this room that he's imparted gifts and talents to you? Is there anybody in this room that he's planned a bright future for you? Is there anybody in this room that he chose you before the foundation of the world, the Scripture says? Okay? So what you're telling me is you are loaded and phenomenal, with phenomenal potential that is yet to be activated. Okay? Turn turn to somebody and tell them, I'm loaded. And tell them this, maybe not in the way you think, okay? <laughs> all right? Now, here's what I want you to see, is that all of those things, and I just barely scratched the surface, all of those things have already been put in you, in Christ, when you were born again. Oh, man, just think about this. You know, I got excited when I was studying this out. Think about this. The Bible says in 1 John that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. Try and wrap your brain around this for a moment, that you have the creator of the universe, the one who stepped out on the edge of nothing and spoke and everything that we have came into existence that he chose to move in on the inside of you and lives in there. Okay? You are wall to wall, Heavenly Father, by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So just think about the unlimited potential that's on the inside of you the wisdom that's on the inside of you by the holy spirit the wisdom the direction the counsel of heaven that is on the inside of you waiting to be revealed waiting god is waiting the bible says in 1 corinthians chapter 2 i remember i had when i was a teenager i had a a man of god quote this to me and the the the, the tragedy is he only quoted half the verse But but he was telling, trying to help me, and he said, "But you know, man hasn't seen, nor I has heard, the things that God has prepared." You know, and he had that religious voice that God has prepared for those that love Him, and you know, religion would say, "Oh yes, Hallelujah, that's so true." You know, God moves in mysterious ways, and His wonders to perform. And, and, and the unfortunate thing is, is, that's where he stopped. But if you read the next sentence, you know what the next sentence says? It starts with the word, but. When you see but, B-U-T, in a sentence, what that means is, everything that I just said, I'm getting ready to contradict. Okay? The very next sentence says this, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. You have things on the inside of you, like Paul said, that it's too, too wonderful for words to speak. But yet what, what, what has happened is as we have gotten so focused and and dwindled everything down and we have put God into this little bitty box and limited him. And listen, I'm just as guilty as anybody. And so what we've done is we've forgotten or we don't know all of the things which are in us in Christ Jesus. Okay? So Paul said this, he said that you start with every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And then he said this, that it may become effectual. Now that word, and you, you have to get into the Greek language a little bit. For those of you who are new to the Bible, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally. The New Testament was written in Greek translated to a couple of different languages before we got it into English, but most of the original text was, was constructed in the Greek language, and so when, when the Apostle Paul was writing this, he was writing with this Greek understanding, and so he said that everything which is in you in Christ Jesus may become effectual. The Greek word for effectual is the, the word energeo. Does that look anything like a modern English word? How about energy or energized? Okay? So what he's saying is every good thing which is in you, God's desire is that that becomes activated and energized and producing on the inside of you. So he says that the communication of your faith may become effectual. How? How? By the acknowledging of what? Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that word acknowledging mean? It's the Greek word epinosis, and it means this, a well-instructed, intensive, deep knowledge of the facts. Now, I'm old enough. Some of y'all are too, but I'm not going to call you out. I'll just talk about me. There used to be a show. You young people don't know anything about this. There used to be a show on TV called Dragnet. Anybody remember Jack Webb and Dragnet? Look on YouTube. For you youngsters, look on YouTube, and you can find some episodes of Dragnet. It started out in black and white. Well, actually, it started on radio. Then it went to black and white television, and then it went to uh, color television. But there was a saying that Jack Webb, who was a detective, for the Los Angeles Police Department, that when he and his uh, cohort, his partner, would go and they were investigating a crime, they would interview people on scene. And it might be someone who was a witness. And invariably, they always talked to maybe a lady. And and Jack Webb would always say, because you know how women are, women like to give all the, the details, and especially details about stuff that doesn't pertain to anything. Uh, Let me say it this way. The women on that show, not y'all. Okay, let me clarify. All right. And so what Jack Webb would have to say is, excuse me, ma'am, just the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Why? Because he was trying to drill down to the relative and pertinent facts that had to do with the case. And so he'd have to rope the, the person in to just deliver the facts. Anybody remember that? Yeah, sorry, ma'am, just the facts, okay? So w- when I was studying this, I-, I-, I had to refer back to this because that's what I thought about was Jack Webb standing there and saying, just the facts, ma'am. By the way, his TV name was Joe Friday, okay? So Joe Friday would say, just the facts, ma'am. So what is Paul saying to us? He's saying that we need to have a well instructed, intensive knowledge of the facts. What are the facts? The facts are who you are in Christ, what God has done in you in Christ, who you are yet to become in Christ, and what Jesus bought and paid for you that's already yours. You need to know the facts, ma'am and sir. You need to have not just a casual knowledge of the facts either. You need to have an intensive knowledge of the facts. And so what Paul is telling us is that that the way that these things become effectual and working and energized and activated is when we have an intensive knowledge of these things and then we activate it. How do we activate it? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have to use this illustration because this is exactly pretty much the reference that the Greek, Greek language used. Now, listen, I'm also old enough, uh, as probably everybody in this room, to remember when you didn't have a key fob to start your car. You remember you had an old school key that you had to put in the ignition? Anybody remember that? Okay, all right. So anyway... So you, did, you could not start the car without the key, right? You could have a car full of gas sitting in your driveway and go out there and get beside your car and say, I just don't understand why my car won't start. I just don't get it. I, I want to go to the store, but I can't go to the store because my car won't start. Yet you have... A car full of gas, you have a well running engine, everything is there. It's just you have not opened the door, sat down in the driver's seat, and put the key in the ignition. And not only put the key in the ignition, but you had to turn it. And when you turned it, it activated the starter, which energized the motor or the engine, and therefore you were, enab- you were able then to go and do whatever you wanted to do. See, that car always had the capability of moving. Did you know that? Had everything it needed to move. Had everything it needed to deliver you wherever you needed to go, but it sat silently in the driveway. No matter how much fuel is in the tank, no matter how many horsepower are under the hood, Its power and its potential would never be realized until somebody got in it and turned the key in the ignition, all right? So what I want you to see is you are like that car. You're loaded with enough fuel and horsepower to do and to go wherever God has called you to do and go. You have all of that potential, but for that potential to be released, you have to hold the key in your hand. And furthermore, it's not just enough for you to possess the key. You have to do something with the key. You have to put it into the ignition of your life and turn it so that all that potential that's already been deposited down on the inside of you is able to be released and all that spiritual horsepower can come to life for you. But it takes us doing something. So what is the key that sparks all of that? What is the key that, that causes that to be activated on the inside of you? What is the key that causes all that God declares about you to become manifested in your life? How do you turn the key of your ignition so that the great work God has done inside you is activated and released? Well, it's found in one little word, acknowledging. This word acknowledging. That is the key. Why is that? Because what that means is, You have taken that intensive, well-instructed knowledge of who you are in Christ and what belongs to you and you put it in your mouth and you begin to declare it. See, here's something we need to understand about the Word of God. When you take God's Word and put it in your heart, and then it comes out of your mouth, it carries with it the same power as if God himself said it. I, I hope this dawns on you on the way home and you have to pull off the side of the road and get out and jump and dance because it overwhelms you to think about this. See, Paul is letting us know what is respons- what we have to do and, and, and to turn the ignition, to get these things working for us, and so here's what I want you to write down, these last four things that I want you to write down today, okay? Now here's, here we go. To make these truths real in your life, you have to put the key in the ignition. So how do we do that? You know me, I'm super-duper practical. So here we go. First thing you're going to have to do is take the key which is the word of God. Take the key, which is the word of God. Now, I would venture to say, you know, I I was thinking the other day, and I'm not bragging when I say this, but I bet I have 30 Bibles at home. Now, because I have all kinds of different translations and, you know, I got Bibles in my bedroom. I got Bibles in my study. I got Bibles on the coffee table. You know, I got Bibles everywhere because I like, first of all, uh, um, I, I have this thing about Bibles. You know, if I go to the bookstore, I want to buy a Bible. I know I'm weird, but, you know, at least I can admit it. All right? But here's the thing that I want you to see is none of those Bibles anywhere in my home do me any good unless it gets in my heart, okay? They'll just sit around and collect dust all day long, but until I take the word of God, the key, and I begin to do something with it, it will never work for me. Okay? So this is the key. Here's the second thing. Number two, the ignition is your mouth. Again, going back to old school, when you had to put the key in the ignition and turn it. The, the word of God is the key. Your mouth is the ignition. Here's number three. The key is turned in the ignition when you open your mouth and start to speak God's word. Now, again, I want to say this to you. I can't be remiss in in saying this because it's so important that you understand this. Spiritual things take time. I wish it was as simple as you could open a verse Speak that verse today, and the reality of it would happen by 3 o'clock this afternoon. I can't promise you that. Okay? So what you need to understand is spiritual things take time. And the reason that a lot of us give up and don't stay in it for the long haul is because we, in using our natural senses, we don't see anything happening. But I will tell you this, or your money back, it is impossible for one syllable of God's Word not to come to pass. It will come to pass. You just have to stay with it. All right. So the key is the Word of God. The ignition is your mouth. The key is turned in the ignition when you open your mouth and start to speak God's Word. And then number four, the good things that Christ has already put in you are Activated the moment you start speaking the word. You know when healing starts in your life? Not when you see it in your physical body, but when you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. You know when salvation happens for you? Listen, sweetheart, if you're waiting to get to heaven to determine whether you're saved or not, you're in for a big surprise. Okay? Here's what I'm saying. It happens the moment you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. That's when salvation happens. Don't wait to heaven till, till you get to heaven uh, to determine whether you're saved or not because guess what? You won't be seeing St. Pete at the gate if he's there, all right? I'm being you know, funny when I say that, but, but I want you to understand something. Salvation begins for you when you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, it happens. Healing happens the same way when you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. Now, here's the thing. The physical doesn't always change instantaneously, but I promise you, please, please, please get this. Something is happening. Something is changing. Now, we're going to look at this in a future lesson, but let me just remind you, you remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus believed what he said What happened? Yeah, of course he did. Okay? Now, here's what you need to understand is when Jesus spoke to that tree, even Jesus did not get instantaneous results in the natural. It took 24 hours for something visible to show up. Now, that's Jesus. Uh, I hate to tell you this but you ain't quite on his level yet. You getting there, but you ain't there yet. All right, so what do I mean by that? If it took 24 hours for him, okay, it's gonna take a minute for you. All right, are, are you with me? Wait a minute, I gotta undo that because the Holy Ghost just spoke up on the inside of me and said, no, they are on my level. It's just where their faith is. Okay, had to fix that, all right? So, the good things in you are activated the moment you start speaking the Word of God. So, take the key, put it in the ignition, turn the ignition, and let your horsepower be released. Let that motor become activated when you begin to uh, energize it with the words of your mouth. All right? So, get this you turn the key in the ignition by getting your mouth in agreement with God's Word. As you, and I highlighted you on purpose, as you start speaking what God says about you, all your potential will start becoming a manifested reality. The reason I highlighted you is because, listen, I love you. I'll, I'll love you till the cows come home, till we go home to be with the Lord, but I can't do this for you. You have to do it. You've got to start speaking. You've got to start believing. You've got to put the word in your heart so that these things will begin to be activated in you. Now, I can declare stuff over you, but you you know, like I do at the end of the service when I declare that blessing, if all that becomes to you is just something that, that I take about 30 or 45 seconds to do before I let you go, and that's all it is to you, you're never going to reap the benefits of it. I say that stuff over you so you will hear it Get it down in your heart and you will believe it just as much as I believe it. Because when you do, that's when it'll begin to work for you. Are you listening to me? So I'm wanting you to begin to understand how important your words are. What you say over your life matters. Now I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to reiterate something that I said earlier. If you don't like the quality of your life now, Change what you believe and change what you're saying, and it'll make a difference. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. I thank you, Lord, that the word is a seed and it's fallen on the good ground of the people of Spring Hill Church. And I believe, Father, and agree with them that they will receive a harvest from that seed. That, Lord, we're going to be. Not just hearers of the word, but we're going to be doers of it as well. So, Father, we're going to begin to uh, incorporate these things into our lives. We're going to declare over our lives what you have already said. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the insight, the revelation to come, the knowledge of these things, Lord. All the good things that you have already put on the inside of each and every one of us. Father, I thank you that we're going to release those things by what we believe in our heart and by what we say with our mouths, and we're going to see it come to pass. Lord, I thank you that I'm standing before a bunch of world-changing, God-anointed, demon-destroying people that are filled, Lord, with unlocked potential. That, Lord, in Jesus' name, they are going to begin to see your power released in their lives like never before and I thank you for it and I praise you for it. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for all that you've done for us and Lord, we worship you and adore you and just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Now, I wanna do something just before we leave here today, I want to just ask you if you need to recommit your life to the Lord. I believe I know everybody here, but you know, I don't like to assume anything If you need to give your heart to Christ or you need to recommit your life to the Lord, do it. Just just make a simple decision to do that right now. Pray this simple prayer after me and God will, will forgive you. He'll cleanse you, give you a brand new start in Jesus' name. Just say this simple prayer. Everybody pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for me. And I believe with all my heart that he was raised from the dead. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Take my life. Do something with it. Use it for your honor and for your glory. Now fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for giving me a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.